Samuel. Okay, children, you did an excellent job. I'm so glad you're in God's house today. Speak, Lord, for thy servant here. That ought to be our, our heart to the Lord and our, our attitude to God. You know, children, it might be difficult for you to memorize the verse, but if you just have if your parent help you and read it over during the week one or two times a day, you can get it down. And it's amazing how quickly we can memorize things uh, if we internalize them. We want, we want our, every child in our church to memorize the word of God. Look, when I memorized most of my verses when I was a child, and I didn't realize that it's a cultural thing in our culture today, um, often for ch children to not memorize the word of God in church. They don't even know the word of God. And we want to have that be different here. And so we're trying to help the children. And uh, hey, if the children can memorize the verses, what should the adults do? Hey, we ought to memorize the word too, right? So children, you can go back to your seats with your parents. Thank you so much. You did a great job today. I know it's difficult when everybody's not here to say everything. All right. Um, this morning, as we get into the word, we're going to continue studying in the Romans in chapter 1. And uh, you all did great last week in listening in and studying the Word of God together in Romans in chapter 1. Lord willing, today we will finish chapter 1. And several have asked me, many have asked me, would you continue pastor teaching through the book of Romans? Now, my personality struggles, just struggles uh, teaching through a, uh, a long book, especially a book like Romans is a lot of deep doctrine, just because I get, uh, there's a lot of repetition in the book. And in my personality, um, I love studying the Word, but I also love teaching new things and studying new things. And often I can get bogged down in my personality sometimes just in, in teaching the Word when I get into a long study through a book. And so we may break it up a little bit. We may next week continue in chapter 2. I don't know yet, but uh, hey, pray the Lord guides, all right? And so the Word has the answers and the hope and the encouragement. Thank you, dear. And uh, this morning, Romans in chapter 1, look, if you would, in verse 28. Romans 1, 28, we saw the portion of this verse last week, and we're going to continue right here. The Bible says, and even as they did not like, look at this, did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a, he says, reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, deceit, he says, sorry, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but he says, but have pleasure in them that do them. If you and I watch a movie in which there is something that is not pleasing to God, and we enjoy that movie, I'm, could it be possible that we could have pleasure in them that do that? Could that be possible? Could that be possible? You're saying, Pastor, we can't? No, I'm, I'm not telling you what to do. We just ought to use our conscience, all right? And this is a, we ought to reactivate the conscience. Um, there are things that I see that grieve my heart. If it doesn't grieve your heart when something is not pleasing to God, 
Uh, so many of the movies today, what happens in them? They have an affair, right? And, uh, and that happens in the movie. And, and we say, well, it's just, it was a fun movie. It was a good storyline. But does, does, God, does God condone that type of behavior? Uh, absolutely not. People are hurt in that process. And so the pleasure in them that do that. Hmm. It's easy to get caught up in a little bit of this. And a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. This morning, we're going to look into this subject of a willful removal of God. A willful removal of God, and it's in this passage that we see this. Let's join together in prayer. Father, take your word. Teach it to our hearts. We need it. We need it today. Lord, our, our society is empty of the word of God. Uh, if we would be honest, Lord, sometimes in our own hearts, there's an emptiness of the word of God. If we would be honest in our families, there's a lack of the word of God. If we would be honest, we need help. Lord, help us with this, that we would in no way participate in the erasing of God, but instead we would be the ones who bring God back to society, and that truth would triumph in our homes, in our community, and around the world. For the glory of God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In our text, the willful removal of God. We see a world here that's empty of God. Empty of his will, missing direction, out of control. How many people in America simply will die this year because they commit suicide? Why? Missing direction, out of control, given up on life. I don't know the meaning of life anymore. And so what a selfish thing. A parent will take their own life and leave behind innocent children and sometimes even murder their own children before they die themselves. Horrible, horrible, but really it's a society that has removed God, and when we remove God, there is no more purpose for living. The emptiness and lack of hope comes from a lack of God. It seemed like a small thing, did it not, when they voted to remove the quoting of the Bible and prayer from the schools. It was just a small thing, but... I spend time with a lot of children who grow up in Christian homes who do not even know how to pray, who do not even know how to talk to God. How can it be that a child grows up in a Christian home, attends church, and does not even know how to say, Dear God, thank you for this day. They cannot even mutter those words. They do not have a clue how to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for, or dear God, please help me with. They don't even know how to say that. They don't have a clue. Empty of the word of God. Nope, I don't even know how to talk to God. That's the attitude of our society and even of the church, which scares me to death. Verse 28, though, describes this problem. Now, we focused last week on the above portion of the passage, and this is part of the same passage, all right? But this applies to all, because if you look back into verse 18... Jump back with me to verse 18. For the, if you have your Bible in front of you, would you read the next word? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Okay, so it's not judgment from the earth. It's not because I was being judgmental. You were being judgmental. It's God has a just standard. That's where this all starts. The wrath of God is revealed, it says, from heaven against um, the, the really wicked people who do bad sins. Is that what it says? 
It says against all ungodliness. I had a shocker this year. Somebody called me up to tell me how much somebody else was living in sin. And they said, well, so-and-so's living in sin. They're living in sin. And I said, they said, those are, those are worldly sins. And I said, well, how about you, my friend? You don't have any sin in your life? They said, no, all I have in my life is Christian sins. What's the difference? Sin is sin. All ungodliness. And I said, friend, so we're going to sit here like a Pharisee and say, well, that sin is despiteful to God because of that sin. And we're not going to recognize we have a little bit of pride. We're not going to recognize we might have a little bit of ego every once in a while. We're not going to recognize we might have had a bad thought last week. Come on. The wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of, he says, men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. God's not pointing the finger at those who do not know the truth. God is pointing the finger at those who know the truth and willfully go against the truth. Look, you say, well, pastor, nobody ever taught me the word of God. If there has been a Bible in your home since the age of being a child, we have no excuse. Amen. I mean, if the book's there, brother, and you don't read it, that's on you. All right. You say, but my parents didn't teach me the book. That's, I've had people tell me that. They said, well, my, I grew up in a home and nobody ever told me the word of God. But the little store right down the road, right past where you went to go buy a crack, that store had a Bible right there and you had the money to buy that or the weed, but you didn't have the money to stop and buy the Bible. You had access to the truth. We're not living in a third world country that has no Bible. Amen. We're living in a country which you can download an app and have the word of God for free on your phone. And, I mean, we have access, unlimited access to the truth. He says, holding the truth in unrighteousness. He says they got a little bit of the truth. And they say, you know what? We're going to use it to our advantage. That's why I have to be very careful what I encourage and condone for people. Somebody might come to me and they say, Pastor, is it okay for me to do this, X, Y, Z? And I will never encourage anybody to go into sin. Say, Pastor, is it okay for me to do a little bit of this? No. I'm not going to encourage anybody to do a little bit of anything, okay? Because if I encourage you to do a little bit of lying before long, right? You're going to go and you're going to be lying to somebody and say, well, the preacher said it was okay to lie, all right? So if I encourage you to go down a path that's not pleasing to God, and I, that will not lead you in a right direction. Holding the truth in unrighteousness. I thank God for those who helped me with this. Aren't you glad for people who helped you? All right? And this morning, God wants to help us uh, with this. Holding the truth in unrighteousness. Sad way to live. Verse 28 describes this. He says they did not like to retain God. Did not like to retain God in their knowledge. What happened in their hearts? In this day they had the willful removal of God and holding to truth without allowing that truth to transform our lives is destructive. The willful removal of God. They didn't like to retain God in their knowledge. They had the truth, but they didn't let it transform their lives. And let's just be honest, sometimes we've got a truth that we know we ought to live. We know we ought to pray. We know we ought to get in the Word. We know we ought to tell our kids a little bit about God. And instead, we just got busy. That movie night really was awesome. And we forgot to read the Bible that week. And before long, it turned into a month and it turned into ten years. May the Lord help us. Amen. Holding the truth without allowing the truth to transform our lives is destructive. Because we have a form of godliness, but we lack the what? The power thereof. It goes without saying, but the knowledge of God doesn't come from the words of man. He describes here a reprobate mind. A reprobate 
mind. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Have you ever thought about what reprobate is? Would you like to hire a reprobate to work for you? Any of you who hire people, right? I mean, goodness gracious. I've had some very nice people I've hired over the years. And, but sometimes it turned up being kind of lazy, all right? But when somebody's reprobate, they only work one week at a, at a given job and then they take all the benefits, all right? Ooh, they come to work the job and the next week, next week you're out getting all the surgeries because they got free medical care. Ooh, just coming in for the wrong reasons. This reprobate mind says failing, it means failing to pass the test. Failing to pass the test. Unapproved. Counterfeit. Disqualified. What happens when we take money to the store and it's a larger bill? Do they just automatically receive that bill? You give them a 50. They're going to get a little marker out. Make sure that's a good one. You give them a 100. They're going to hold that thing up to the light. They're going to make sure that it's good. Because there's counterfeit money. Do you, do you feel judged when somebody holds that bill up? If it just came from the bank, I kind of do feel a little judged because I'm like, I hope the bank didn't give me junk. We got pennies for the children, you know, for uh, Vacation Bible School. And those pennies, a lot of those pennies were from Canada. All mixed right in because they're about the same size and the coin machine counts them the same. And uh, pennies so cheap, they get mixed right in. And a lot of those pennies that we went, we went and bought, you know, $50 worth of pennies, you bring those pennies in for the weight and... Uh, <laughs> The kids, I'm open them up, and there you go. All this Canadian money. You wouldn't know the difference. Counterfeit. Looks the same, but it's different. And the Bible describes this reprobate mind as a counterfeit mind. So that means it looks like, appears like, a mind of truth. Hmm. God gave them over to a reprobate mind, a counterfeit mind. At the beginning of this, it's going to look a lot, this lot like the same. It, but it failed to pass the test. Disqualified. Don't we live in a world where the disqualified still seem to be able to succeed? I won't get into politics right now. But the disqualified somehow get to succeed. Can you imagine somebody hiring somebody for your, to be the CEO of your company? Somebody who can't even think? How are they going to make business deals? How are they going to do anything? We live in a world that we're okay. We approve the reprobate mind. We encourage the reprobate mind. And people think the reprobate mind's okay. It failed to pass the test. It was unapproved. It was counterfeit. And it was disqualified by God. And friend, we can be in this trap where we can get caught into this where we reject the truth a little bit, and it begins to corrupt us. If you have a pen, I want to encourage you to jot down this reference, 2 Timothy 3, verse 8. 2 Timothy 3, and verse 8. The Bible says, Now as Jannes and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of, he says, corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. I try to be very careful saying we are all children of God because we are not all children of God. He says these are men of corrupt minds. A corrupt mind is not a child of God. Okay? Corrupt mind filled with evil, he says. Oh, it's a disgusting way to live. And so here we have this total rebellion against God's will. A total rebellion against God. 
Do you enjoy spending time with rebels? Do you enjoy it? Do y'all like it? I don't, okay? Um, I, I don't. And uh, I don't want to spend time with rebels. Now, can we all be tempted to be a rebel? Just ask my wife about my speed going down the road, all right? I struggle with some things in life. But God's will is still best, even though God's will often leads us against the easy path. We often will say, it felt so right. But the heart of lust leads to a worship of man that leads to a reversal of the natural as we saw last week. And so the Bible says the wrath of God is now poured out. The wrath of God is now poured out. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Look, if you would, this morning, two thoughts. First, erasing God. Erasing God. I don't know about you, but I hate chalkboards, all right? That's why you never have seen me teach from a chalkboard. I hate the scratchy sound of that thing. I, I hate chalkboards with, with all that I have. The, the, the very sound and the, the feel of it just kind of makes my hair stand up on my back. I don't like it. But my friend, we live in a world in which we're just trying to erase God from the chalkboard. We're just erasing God. And we get upset and we say, how, is this, how could it be that we live in a world filled with, in a, in a nation filled with abortion at such a high rate that we're upset about illegal immigration, but we're sitting here murdering babies and more of the stimulus package goes towards funding the killing of innocent human beings and also the false labeling and killing of people through a virus. There was a choice made. The doctors got to decide who lived and who died. There was a choice based upon, oh, this person, this class, Several people, they pulled the plug way early than, earlier than they've ever pulled the plug, and there were plenty of hospital beds to sustain those people's lives. It's a sad world we live in. But the choice of life and death, doctors were given new rules during this time, and it's scary rules, rules that ended people's lives, that didn't need to be ended. Why? Because the rules were changed. People with asthma, going to their asthma doctor, oh, I can't give you the asthma machine, it's sitting right there, because there's new rules. You have to go to the hospital where the virus is to get the asthma asthma machine. You can't get it here. Sorry, I, I hope you don't die on the way. Crazy. New rules. A rejection of helping and giving life. To me, that scares me. The way in which we have blatantly, government has blatantly sought to erase God and the respect of life. The respect of life. Do you believe God loves the elderly? I believe he does. And uh, the Bible says that we should respect the hoary head. We should give honor to the elder. We live in a society that has no respect for the elders. That's why children throw their elders in nursing homes, sadly, sometimes. And uh, they'll, they'll move away and just leave them there. It's so sad. It's so sad. Now, I understand many times those, those things are there for those who need them, but often... I'll go visit loved ones, and they never hear from their children. They never hear from them. It's sad. They've been neglected. Why has that happened? Because our society has erased God. We get upset about those things, and we say, how could it be? How could it be? My friend, God's more concerned about our own hearts. He says, likewise, they did not. He says, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. We all got things we like, all right? We got things we like. And, and I, like, I like hunting, okay? I enjoy that. But if that's the only thing I can talk about, my friend, then I got problems. You might like sports, but if that's the only thing we can talk about, okay, 
You might like certain types of movies and stuff, but if that's the only thing we can talk about. You might like the news, but if that's the only thing we can talk about. Okay, we need to have God in our knowledge. And this week I spent, I spent the week with my loved ones. Okay, they're not into any of these types of sports that I'm into, any of these types of things that I'm into. So we didn't talk about the things that I'm into because it's not, not of interest to them. We talked about the things that are of interest to them. And my friends um, and tried, to, tried to speak also of the Lord. Erasing God, a society full of, of, the, of the erasing of God. Let's just get God, God gone, all right? Now, we're upset about it being gone from the schools, but let's be honest, sometimes it's gone from the church house, too, all right? It's gone from the church house. And uh, you can be really good, a really good speaker and not ever use the Word of God. Have you figured that out? Something called pep talks. A lot of that happens today. The law of gravity cannot be changed by my feelings. Neither can the prescribed plans of God be rewritten to meet our immediate emotional needs. Erasing God. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. I don't like to think about God. Don't tell me what God says. You are judgmental. Huh. But isn't it judgmental to think that God is judgmental? Isn't it judgmental to think that God is wrong? That's judgmental because he's holy, he's perfect, he created us. Psalms 119 verse 11, the psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The best remedy for not erasing God from society is to put more of God's word into society. Pour more of God's word into society is why we're starting more Bible studies and trying to reach people at different times that are more conducive for their schedule. Because we want the word of God to get into our community, into our homes in greater ways. I can't tell you how many times I've invited somebody and they are working at the times of our services. We're trying to reach new people and you've got to be willing to adapt to get the word of God into new hearts. A rejection of God leads to a life of unbridled sin. A life of unbridled sin. Sin, a rejection of God, leads to a life of unbridled sin. What do you do with a horse that's not broken? Can you ride it in a race? What do we have to do with that thing? Turn it out. It's a wild horse. It's worthless. Sell it at the auction. I mean, you can have a great, great horse. But if that horse has not got its will broken, it is worthless. Living in a society... Pardon the analogy, where we got a lot of horses that have never been broken. And how do you break a horse? Why don't you just sit down, horse? I'm going to put you in time out, see how that works. What do you do? You put a bridle on the horse. I'm not, we don't have bridles, okay? We don't have bridles for the kids, all right? But we, we sometimes... As Christians, we forget that Proverbs is in the Bible. Spare the, hate the child. The Bible says that he that loves his child will chasten him betimes. We live in a society that the children never get told no. And when they do get told no, it's no, 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 no. And it's like an old voice recording, and the child finally just says, well, I figured out a way to manipulate mom and dad, and I'll just do it anyways. And it's no, but no means nothing. And we say, where did this come from? It came from the erasing of God. Now, look, we have grown up in homes, and some of you may have grew up, grew up in a home where 
discipline was taken to a far too great level. You may have grown up in a home where you were forced to do certain things that you didn't like to do. My friend, I thank God for being challenged to do things I didn't need to do, like write a verse out a hundred times. A fool uttereth all his mind. Wonder how I memorized that. You write it a couple hundred times, a bunch of different times, because you couldn't keep your mouth shut, and you'll memorize it, amen? You say, well, that was bad punishment. Well, you know what? I got the verse down. A fool uttereth all his mind. Now look, I'm still tempted to utter all my mind, but you know what? The verse is there, and it helps me. Okay? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so sometimes the reaction to uh, the truth is that we say, well, you know what? That was too harsh. That was too judgmental. So let's just do no truth. Try it. Let's see how it goes. Try it. Society's already been trying it. Hadn't been working out too well for them. Why are we trying the same methods of the world and expecting different results? Erasing God. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God, he says, gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. God gives them access to the inaccessible because they denied the received will of God. Whew, it's a sad way to live. Look, I want God to keep me from evil. I don't know about you. I don't want to be caught in a path and go down a place where I shouldn't go. Isn't that your heart? But how do we get there? We say, Lord, I don't like that rule. Uh, you said I should respect the authorities you've given me. And look, we ought to have an attitude of respect towards all authorities. And that includes the authorities that are not mentally capable of being an authority. But we ought to have an attitude of respect to them. We say, what does that mean? It means I'm not going curse, to curse the king. The Bible says don't curse the king. Now we've got to speak truth. We've got to call it out when we see it. But we don't have to sit there and boast about it. I haven't said one negative thing online about the new leadership other than as they have in Jezebel because that's a biblical, biblical analogy, okay? But you see the prophet of God spoke out to Ahab and Jezebel, told them where they were wrong. Ahab and Jezebel didn't listen, but they did hear it from the prophet that things were wrong. It is possible to live an undisciplined life and to lead our children away from the truths that we claim. Would you think about that for a minute? It is very possible to live an undisciplined life and to lead our children away from the truths which we claim. Psalms, 1 tells, Psalms 19 in verse 1 tells us the heavens declare the glory of God and the earth shows his handiwork. I love that. The heavens declare God's glory. Aren't you glad when you woke up this morning God's glory shined over. Aren't you glad it wasn't uh, some, something from the world? Aren't you glad they can't control that? Okay, they can't control the sun rising up. Uh, that is all under the control of God. You can try to erase God all day long. But the Bible says it's impossible to erase God from the heavens or from creation. But it is possible to allow his truth to be absent from our daily living. living. Think about that. We can't erase it from the sky but we can erase it from our lives. And that's what we sometimes are tempted to do it because we get busy, right? The cares of this life choke out the word of God in our hearts. Uh, little things 
Well, it's just a few months of this, a few months of that, little things. It is possible to adhere to basic moral laws of God without planting those roots deep in the hearts under our influence. Think about that. It is very possible for us to say, well, I believe this book. But then we don't work at putting the roots into the hearts of those under our influence. You say, what should I do, Pastor? Care about the roots. We get upset because the fruit of rebellion, right? We see the, the, the fruit. But when you're dealing with a rebellious child, here's a great way. Maybe it's a child that's been around the Word of God. Just ask them some simple questions about the nature of God. And ask them a few questions about His Word. Because, my friend, what you'll find out is there's either been a rejection, a memorization of the word and a rejection of it, or there has been no word. And when there's no word, there's a life of rebellion, a heart of rebellion, and a society of rebellion. That's what we're dealing with. Erasing God. Erasing God. Have you ever thought about this? It's hard to build a church without stable families, but it's hard to have stable families in a society that has rejected God and where there's instability from the word of God. You say, what can we do, Pastor? Where's the hope? Get in this book and say, God, I'm broken. I'm marred. But Jeremiah chapter 18, you said you can make me again. Would you help me become soft and moldable like clay? And I want you to form me into a beautiful piece of pottery. We took my sister over to this beautiful uh, pottery barn over in Vermont. If you've ever been to the Vermont Country Store, you pass it on the way up through there. We took them in. A shipment of clay had just arrived. We saw this beautiful shipment of clay, and the children liked poking at the clay, and they said it was okay to do that. And we were just having fun looking at this stuff. They showed us where they cooked that pottery, how they cooked the pottery for 72 hours in this kiln. They cooked it over 2,000 degrees. There's two different kilns that they cook it in, and they have to slowly turn the temperature up every 30 minutes. You say, I don't like order. Well, they have to keep it pretty orderly. Uh, I don't like design. I don't like, I don't like rules. Well, aren't you glad that the pottery barn follows the prescribed rules? Otherwise, otherwise, you would buy one of those pieces of pottery and it would crumble in your hand because it had not been cured properly. What if you got it and the, piece of, and the finish was all uh, soft and gooey like when they first started? They bake that finish on at thousands of degrees of temperature. It's a difficult process for the pottery. And often in our hearts, if we'll be honest, the world kind of has baked us into a mold that doesn't please God. And we need to say, like Jeremiah 18, God said to the nation of Israel, I want to break you. And then I want to soften you and I want to make you again. Would you let me do it, God says. And no matter where the brokenness is in our life, we all have areas where we may have become hardened like that pottery. Where we have the form of the truth, but you know what? It's just not working. Uh, we look around us and we say, there's no fruit. Lord, help me. I want to be broken so that you can use me. Make me into the vessel that pleases you. And so I'm willing to break down all that I think is right and let you build it back the way that your word says it's right. Amen? That's what we need in our hearts. We have a responsibility to not allow verse 28 to happen. We have a responsibility. Even as they did not like to retain God. Hey, what do you think a good solution to verse 28 would be? Anybody help me out with this today? You can just say the answer out. What do you think a good solution to verse 28 would be? They did not like to retain God. That phrase. They did not like to retain God. What could we do to help reverse that? 
Memorize the word of God. What else could we do? Yes, what else could we do? They did, right? Very good. But they did not like to retain God. So we can, we can be around all the truth, but what do we have to do? We have to change our wanter, right? We have to like to retain God. It's a choice. I have to like to retain God. I decide to retain God. I'm going to choose to retain God. So it's a choice. I don't want to erase God. Instead, I want to receive God's will in my life. Um, the, tr the hard truth is, if we, if we be honest, in our society today, we must, we must realize this, that many Christians will never open the word of God outside of the church house. Many will never memorize a Bible verse or do any diligent work to retain God in their knowledge. But... Let us seek to challenge everyone under our influence to memorize the word, to meditate on the word, because it alone has hope for our generation. So there's this erasing of God. There's also the ignoring of the judgment. Now, we don't like the word judgment, but the verse says in verse 32 that the judgment, that says who knowing the judgment of God, the day of judgment is coming. Isn't it crazy that lost people refer to the word hell a lot? You, heard the, you hear the word hell coming out of their mouth all the time. They describe everything, but they don't really believe in it. <clears throat> Truly, in the back of their mind, knowing judgment's coming, but not really living as if it is. And we can get caught in that trap. The law of reaping and sowing is always true. We reap what we sow, we reap more than we sow, and we reap in due time exactly what we have sown. Have you ever thought about that? We do reap what we sow, and we often expect to sow some things. We sow corruption. Lord, would you produce good things? Lord, I know I should read and meditate. Lord, I know I should... Don't Look, don't beat yourself up, but beat yourself up, okay? If you're struggling with reading the Word... You need to probably get an accountability partner, okay? And uh, find somebody you know will challenge you. Don't and, and say, you know what? Would you challenge me for one week to read my Bible? Find somebody. Hey, and look, you say, well, what if they read the Bible? I might feel judged. It'd be better to be judged in this life than to be judged in the life to come, okay? So you say, what can I do to help myself? Find somebody else. Be the friend. Say, you know what, would you just help me with this? Would you, would you help me to, make, to encourage me? Would we text? Could we call? Could we encourage one another to maybe just read the devotional book? Just read the devotional book. It's got one verse, and it's got a little half page. It takes about two minutes to read. Would you encourage me? Would you help me to just read that devotional book? It was a great challenge this morning on serving, wasn't it? Great challenge on serving. Would you help me to, to just encourage me to get in it? You say, what if I don't like to do it today? What if one day I wake up and I've been doing it for seven days and I still struggle doing it? Well, do it until your heart burns. Do it until God begins to give life to you. Just like if you want to learn sports, you'll figure it out. Uh, if we like something, if you want to learn how to cook, you'll figure it out. And if we want the word of God, we'll figure it out. No matter how much we fill our life with passion, entertainment, pleasure, wealth, and pride, we cannot ignore that God will bring every hidden deed of man to light. God will bring every hidden deed of man to light. When God reveals his truth to us, he gives us a timetable to respond to that truth. And we must remember this. God's giving me an opportunity to respond. He's giving me a chance right now to respond. I want to respond to the truth of God's word. This week I got to take my cousins to another beautiful spot. And, um, and uh, we went over here for a few minutes. 
in the beautiful weather, and we got to look at this cave. And Vermont has some nice caves. But you notice in that cave at the top, there's icicles right there. Those icicles are dripping down. There's all, it was all frozen. Now, we know what icicles, what they come from. The water, the water went through the ground and formed these beautiful icicles. But when summer rolls around, will those icicles still be there? Okay? Will they still be there? We all know they won't be there. Now, you can get mad. You can get upset. You can say, I can't believe God would take away the icicles. But when summer comes, my friend, those icicles that are out there in that warm weather like that, right near the outside of that mouth of that cave, they will melt. It will turn to water. And they won't be back until next winter. But you know what? They will be back next winter. We often expect that consequences will not come. Knowing the judgment of God, just as we know, the icicle will mount. This will change. This will happen. And if in the bottom of that cave, those icicles had formed into these little droplet things that looked like dots, those little dot candy. And they're massive dot candy, about five inches around in diameter. And I tell you, those little candies, I mean those little icicles, those things are formed right there and they look so beautiful and I wanted to pick one up and take it home. They were so cool. Um, the cave was a little bit uh, not conducive for little children, so I didn't take my little ones down in there. But you know what? Those little icicles, so cool. Those little droplets formed over time. You think how many drips of water it took to form one of those. And we often expect that consequences will not come. But it says, through knowing the judgment of God, a moment of passion produces a seed of sin. And although we would like a life without consequences, God says when we remove him from society, society will grow evil. When we ignore judgment, we'll line ourselves up to trouble. He says in verse 29, this uh, society, the people who back in verse 18 had the truth in unrighteousness, now he says they're filled with all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. You might say, is it okay to do this, that, and that? Whatever unrighteousness it is, it's sin. And the text describes many of those. And many of those we can do as Christians very easily. You say, well, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't go hang out with those that do. But what about the full event? We can all be envious of somebody who has better things than we do. Murder, murder debate. debate. The Bible says if we hate somebody, somebody, that's murder. murder. Debate. debate. Constantly, Constantly arguing. arguing. Deceit. deceit. A life of a life deceit. deceit. When we live a life of deceit, deceit, it's a very, 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 very rough, rough life. life. A very, very, very rough, rough life. life. Relationships, Relationships built upon lies, lies don't, don't last, last very long. Very long. But when they do, when they, they do, they split them apart. apart. The Bible says the whisperers here in verse 29. Selfish. Selfish. Selfishness and manipulation are the breeding ground for unhealthy relationships. Manipulation. May God help you not to believe manipulators. Do you enjoy being around manipulators? Nobody does. Nobody enjoys being manipulated. But God says, I don't want you to manipulate me. God says, I have my law. I have my truth, God says. Verse 20, verse 32, knowing the judgment of God. So, so knowing, knowing that truth, we have a responsibility 
to not to not commit to things. Knowing that there's only the consequence of death, the wages of sin is death. We have a responsibility to encourage those under our influence because judgment is coming. We don't like judgment, but it's coming. So may God help God to raise God. We can get upset about society. We can get in a problem with others. others. My friend, God says, don't let me, don't let me be a radio anywhere in your learning for life. How does that happen? It is not. It is not like trying to retain their knowledge. And you know what? The consequence will be there. will be the mark of the people on your life. And when the judgment of God comes, uh, those things in our lives that are not these God, these God, our life, our life simply for selfishness, it will melt away like these spicy black souls will with someone's songs. If the truth, truth is not, it's not embraced, it will be released. Maybe today, 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 say, in a little, in a little way, you commit with me, with me, say, you know what, Pastor, I want to commit. By the grace of God, I want to commit. Say, Lord, help me embrace, embrace the truth in a greater, way. greater way. You say, well, you say, well, 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 I neglect, I neglect, I know what I know to do. All right, all right. That's the race to me. May we admit it, admit it, admit it, Lord, you know what? I want, I want, don't want to be racist. I want to be one to be one to embrace the race to the God of God. Recommit to draw the knife to God. He'll draw the knife to us. Let's get out together for prayer this morning. And we're about to get into prayer and we'll stand together. The moment we're going to share one day, one day, one day, one day, one day, one day, Thank you. 